Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. We dedicate this class to the safety of our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land, especially those on the front line. And so we continue. We left off the third chapter in Kiddushin, the Mishnah, page 65a. A person says to a woman, man says to a woman, I betrothed you. It's not true. <laughs> I, never, I never accepted. I never... Who asur b'kreviser? A person is believed on himself. It's not a question of a person can't testify on himself. He can't confess. When it comes to, to anything that's prohibition, a person has a right to make something prohibited to me. So you are he's saying to this woman, you are prohibited to me. We believe him. So he is not allowed to marry her and any of her relatives. Like if you marry your wife, all of her relatives become prohibited to the husband. But she denies the whole thing. That she's allowed to marry his relatives, his brother. You claim that you're married? I, just, uh, I, I, I say you're not married, so it's not binding on me. What if he emerges Kiddushtani? It's reverse. She says, you betrothed me. He denies the whole thing. He says, it's not, never happened. He's allowed to marry your sister, for example. You're not my wife. But she can't marry his brother because she says that you are my husband. If you're your husband, then the brother will become prohibited. Or the other relatives. What if he says, I betrothed you? She says, No, you didn't betroth me. You, co- you confused me with my daughter, Bitti. You, you betrothed my daughter. So, who also betrothed Gidel? He is not allowed to marry her relatives because he claims, he said, that she is my wife. So all of her relatives become prohibited. But the mother, she's allowed to marry any of his relatives. She denies that she, she ever married him. He's allowed to marry the relatives of the daughter because he denies. He says, I didn't marry the daughter, I married you. And the daughter is allowed to marry his relatives. Why? Because the mother is not believed on, 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 on the daughter. We learned yesterday the father is believed on, on his daughter. Only the father Hashem gave said that they believe in the daughter. But the mother has no is not believed on her daughter. What if he says Kidashti is I betrothed your daughter? It's not my daughter you betrothed, it's me. Who also became stop? He's not allowed to marry the relatives of the daughter because he claims that the, that the daughter is married to the daughter. But the daughter is allowed to marry his relatives because she denies the whole thing. He's allowed to marry the mother's relatives because he denies that I never married you, I married your daughter. But the, the, the mother is not allowed to marry his relatives because she says, I am married to you. So again, a person has a right on himself. You can prohibit something for yourself. If you say it's prohibited, it's prohibited for you. But it's not binding on anyone else. Okay, that's the mission. Why does he have to say it in so many different ways? Once you teach us the principle, you don't have to give a thousand examples. Like you teach a child, two apples and two apples is four. You don't have to say two oranges and two oranges are four, two pears and two pears are four, two tables. You give a concrete example, you understand the underlying principle and you move on. Why does he have to spell out the same halacha? You told us already. A person is only believed in himself. It's not binding on the other. Whatever you prohibit for yourself is prohibited. And for the other person is not. Why do you have to spell it out in all these different cases? 
So you might say the It's necessary. Because if you would only teach in the case that in her that that uh, that um, she denies it, and we say that he's not believed to prohibit her, I would think from the Gavrilechbatle. A person doesn't mind lying. He'll say, I betrothed you, even though that means they won't be able to marry her relatives. He doesn't care because he has many options. He can marry anyone. He can marry. He has many options. In other words, even if he marries her, even if he says, I'm married to you, a man can marry two women. So, yes, he, he'll exclude a few of her relatives, but he still has the whole world open to him. So he doesn't mind lying. That's why we don't believe him. And therefore, he can say that I betrothed you, even though it never happened. That's why he's not believed to prohibit her. I believe, but she, however, which woman would say, I am married to you? If she's married, she can't marry anyone else. She's, she's out of the market. She can't marry anyone. Why in the world would she say that? If she's saying that, it must be true. She must be telling the truth. Which sane woman, just to, just to get at him, she's going to prohibit herself from marrying anyone in the world? She knows. If she's lying, she knows he's going to deny it. So it doesn't help her. She's not going to live with him. He hates her. And she can't live with anyone. She's stuck for the rest of her life. Why would she say this? She must be telling the truth. Because if it says, surely he should be prohibited from marrying her relatives as, as if it is his wife. Even if we believe her, she can still marry any other woman, but at least her relatives, we should believe that he can't marry her relatives. If he's married, he must be married to her. Otherwise, a woman would never come and make up such a lie. She's hurting herself more than him. Because even if he is married, he still has the whole world open to him. If she's married, she's stuck. Kamashwal and come to teach us? No, we don't believe her. I'm sorry. You only believe in yourself. In the woman, there's only belief in the self, not in the man. Now it says, now if he says, I betrothed you, and she says, no, not me, only my daughter. Why do I need a third example? You already told, told us the principle. Twice. Once that he's not believed, and once that, that, that she's not believed. Why do you have to teach me again the same principle about the daughter? In the case of the daughter, she says, not me, but my daughter. It's true. I need that also. Why? So I would think, would enter my mind, Really, biblically, the Torah believes the father, right? We learn. The father says to the court, I give my daughter, I gave my daughter to this and this person. But maybe rabbinically, the rabbis also trusted the mother. Maybe rabbinically, we should believe the mother. Biblically, we only believe the father. That's clear. But maybe rabbinically, the rabbis would say, we also believe the mother. That's a mission. Says even rabbinically, we don't believe the mother. She's like anyone else. If one witness comes and testifies. It means nothing. If the person denies it. It means nothing. So a mother testifies that her own daughter, and the daughter denies it. It means nothing. And then the next case, he says, "I betrothed your, your, your daughter," and she says, "Not my daughter, but me." Why do I need a fourth example of the same principle? So the mother says, "I did the tanaha, since you're already learning the case where the woman says that the woman is not believed on her daughter, the woman says, not me, but my daughter. 
So to Tananami Hari, he already learns the case. He says, if he says, I betrothed your daughter, he says, not, not your daughter, it's me, he already learns that also. Since already the first two cases, he says, he says this way, he says that way, so now that he has to learn already the case of the daughter to teach us, even rabbinically, the mother is, no, is not believed in the daughter, so he already learns both, both ways. Itma, we learn. In the case of our Mishnah, Rav says we force the husband to give a get. When he says we believe her, when she said for herself, when she says that she's married to him, and he denies it, so she's prohibited from from his relative. He is not prohibited from her relative. So Dab says we force the man to give a get, to give her a get, so she should be free. Otherwise, she's stuck for life. He, he says he denies it, but I don't want to live with her. Right? I never chose her, and I'm not going to live with her. So what? She's stuck for the rest of her life. So we force him, compel him to give him, to give her a divorce. Yeah. You can only ask. You can't force a person to give a get. Because if, if she's not married, she doesn't need to get If she is truly married, what does it, you can't force someone to give a get. You force them to give a get. It's worthless. So, so you can ask him. You request him. Be a mensch. What do you care? You're not going to live with her anyway. Fine. You're free to anyway. You can marry her sister if you want. But do her a favor. Be a mensch. You have nothing to lose. Give her a get. I know you're angry at her that he made up a Baba Misa that he's married to you. You're the billionaire. And she came to hey, I'm married to <laughs> hey. Which of these four cases are Rav and Shmuel arguing about? Elaine, if you're going to say Adesha, if they're arguing about the first case, where the man says he betrothed her and she denies it. What do you mean? Why would you force him? You can't say you ask him. She doesn't need a get. Why? She doesn't need a get. She's free. We said we don't believe him. She's a free woman. She's not prohibited to anyone. She can marry his brother if she wants. Why does she need a get? He? He claims he's married to her. He can marry anyone he wants except, to, except her relatives. There's no get here. You don't have to ask. You don't have to compel. You don't have to force. You don't have to ask. Ella, rather, I say for the second case, where the woman claims I'm betrothed to the man, and the man denies it, and therefore she becomes prohibited. She can't marry anyone else in the world. He's allowed to marry anyone, including her, her sister. So in that case, we say that's the argument. Do we compel him to give a get, or do we, or do we request? We can understand why you need to ask request. Why, why would we force him? Amar, he says, If I give her a divorce, then it harms me. Why does it harm me? Because then, then I, can't, I can't marry. If I give a divorce, that means I'm acknowledging that she's my wife. So I can't marry your sister. As long as the sisters are alive, even if even a divorced wife, I can't marry a sister. Why in the world would I put myself in that position? She's making up a baba mice. I'm a billionaire. Comes the, the, the impoverished woman in town. He married me. Never happened. So I should I should incriminate myself and give her a divorce. If after a divorce I can't marry your sister, or relative, why in the world would I do that? You can ask me to go beyond the letter of the law. Be a man. Help her out. Help this poor woman. But you can't force me. Ella, rather, rather, the Rabbi and Shmuel are saying this, they're not, they're not arguing, they're complimenting each other. 
Amr Shmuel Mavakshim. Shmuel says, we asked him. What do you question? Do the woman, do the poor woman a favor. You say she's a liar, she's a nudnik. Do her a favor. Free her. Give her a divorce. Magdalene again. Amr Rav Shim Nasan. Get my husband. Rav says, if the person volunteers to give a get before we act, without us asking him, we force him to give him a ksuva. No, it's if, if he, we, we ask him to give a get and he's responding to our request to give a get, I want to give a ksuva. So listen, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, she's not married. I never married her. He asked me a favor to free all the favors. I'm not writing a ksuva. But if on his own he gives her a get, why are you giving her a get if she, if she never married you? We never asked you to. It means you're admitting. But now you have to give her a ksuva. Then we force you to give her a ksuva. Which makes more sense. How, how can you force someone to give a get? If you force someone to give a get, it's not worth the paper it's written on. We're not forcing him to give a get. Now the same, we force him to give a get. We also learn like our understanding of Rav, what Rav is saying. That what? You compel and you ask. What do you mean? Tarti. What do you, either you compel or you ask. What do you mean you compel and you ask? This is what he says. We ask him to give a get. If he comes and volunteers before we ask him, we force him to give him a get. What if a person betrothes a man, betrothes a woman with just one witness? It's not a kiddush. You don't have to. You don't have to take it into account. You don't have to be strict. Well, I want to be strict. Maybe no. It's as if nothing ever happened. Not that we doubt that it happened. It doesn't matter. He agrees. She agrees. He gave me a ring, and there's even one witness. It doesn't matter. It's not a kiddush. It never even started. Not biblically. Not rabbinically. Nothing. Nothing happened. Without two witnesses, nothing happens. Boy, they inquired from Rabbi what if they both agree? The man and the woman said, it's true. He gave me a kiddushin. In other words, is it because we don't believe one witness? Even if we do believe him, it doesn't matter. Nothing happened. Who the answer is... No, no, two kosher witnesses. She says, eh, eh. one time he would say yes, and one time he would say... If they both agree and there's one witness, then you do have to take into account this kedushin. And one time we say loy, but after it was it was like weak in his hand. It wasn't clear. It wasn't decisive. So it we learn over Nachum Shmuel. I'm a kaddish bad echad. Ain't cheshen kedushin after the shneim. Shmuel was 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 unequivocal. And even if they shneim even if they both agree, it's not the issue. It's not because we don't believe him. Nothing to do with belief. Even if we know a thousand percent, that's what happened. It was one witness, he agrees, she agrees, no one is arguing, no one is denying it. It doesn't matter, it doesn't happen. It's not, these are not witnesses that come to clarify what happened. These are witnesses that make the event. Without two witnesses, there is no Kiddushan, period. This is an essential part of the marriage, otherwise there is no marriage. That there is no kedushin with one witness, even when everyone agrees, and there's no one, no one who argues the fact that it actually what happened. So I'll ask you. We learn in the mission. Our mission, our mission. It says a man says to a woman, "I betrothed you." She denies it. She says, "No, it's not true." 
who wants to recover say he becomes prohibited to her relative he mutters because the question is he decayed and my mutters because if this witnesses if he's saying a kedushin can't happen without two witnesses how could there be an argument between him and her let's ask the witnesses they were there. Who did he give the ring to? Did he give it to her? Did he give it to, to the daughter? If he says he gave it to her, then she's married. Doesn't matter what she's her denial. And if there are no witnesses, then even if she, even if they both agree, there is no marriage. So then why are they raising? Hey, the Why is she allowed? We'd like them. Am I also? If there's no witnesses, why is the husband prohibited from her relative? If there's no witnesses there. And therefore, they can contradict each other. There's no marriage, according to everyone, on all sides. He's allowed to marry the guy's sister. What do you mean? He says, I married her. And therefore, it makes it prohibited for himself. There's no witnesses. There's no marriage without witnesses. How do you explain the Mishnah? How do you explain the Mishnah? What, what do you mean he's prohibited from her? If there's no witnesses there, and that's why they can have an argument, he says, yes. He says, no, it's your word versus my word. Then according to everyone, there's no marriage. So what the, How could he prohibit himself? There's no marriage. He's saying there was no witnesses there. So what, what do you mean he's prohibiting himself? If I give a, a woman a ring and there's no witnesses, there's no kedushin. So why do I become prohibited? No, if there's no witnesses, nothing happened. He can prohibit himself saying if he says there were witnesses. But there were no witnesses. If there were witnesses, if he says there were witnesses, let's ask the witnesses. Beryl was here, Shmeryl was here, let's call them in. Did he give it? Didn't he give? It's very simple. <laughs> so obviously, so you must say there was only one witness. Surely you must be talking about a case where there was one witness. And one witness, and therefore, even, even and because it's only one witness, so the woman could deny it. My word against your word. One witness is not enough to prohibit me. But he has one witness saying like him, and therefore he becomes prohibited to her. So we see that in case of one witness, we do believe that for himself he could prohibit it. So, so a kiddush, it is a good kiddush. One witness is enough to make a good kiddush. For him. For him. Yeah, yeah. So this argues with Shmuel. Seems like Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda was, uh, at least he was questioning it. Shmuel says decisively, it doesn't matter. One witness is nothing. It's like no witnesses. Even if they both agree. So according to Shmuel, our mission makes no sense. According to the, but if you say one witness here, our mission makes some sense. So the Gemara answers, no, you don't understand our Mishnah. You know what our Mishnah is talking about? Going, for example, He says, I married you in front of two witnesses. They left. They left the country. We can't question the witnesses. That's all technical reasons. They're not here. They died. They, they, they left the country. They were mobilized to war. They volunteered. I don't know. They're not here to ask. She says it's not true. What are you talking about? It never happened. But he says there was a kedushin with two witnesses. But, but I'll tell you, if there was no witnesses, then, then there's no marriage. Of course he's allowed to marry his relatives. There's no marriage. Even if there's one witness, there's no marriage. No, so that's what he says. He prohibits on himself. He says there were witnesses. It was a kosher kedushin. So therefore he can, he can prohibit on himself. Uh, he can't marry a relative. Yes, she she said no, she doesn't. I'll ask you. He's asking Rab Nachman in the name of Shmuel. It says in the Mishnah Gitin we learn in the last tractate. Tamagadish is ish. Person who divorces his wife, and after he divorced the London of Pundiki, they go to sleep together in the, in the in the hotel, the same hotel, in the same room. 
So the question is, do we worry, do we suspect that maybe he remarried her? <laughs> he missed her. You don't know what you have until it's taken away from you. Once he divorced his wife, he realized, oh, what have I done? Silly of me. So they, 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 they were back together. You don't need a second divorce. We don't worry if maybe they're married. They slept together. Maybe they slept together, but it's not marriage. No, we suspect that maybe, maybe uh, they, they got back together. So, what are we talking about? If there are witnesses that they, they were together in the room, What's the reason of Eshamah? Why, why not a get? There's two witnesses. It's a Kiddushin. One of the ways you makadash Isha is through intimacy. Of course, the, the witnesses are not allowed to watch for modesty. They can't watch the actual act. They don't have to. They're going in the room together and they're alone. Uh, that, that's an act of, of intimacy. Like Yechud, yeah. Yeah. V, the Lekate, if there are no witnesses, my Tamar Basila. Why does Basila say you need a get? There was no witnesses. Let's, so they went in the room together. So what? There's no witnesses. There's no Kiddushin. Surely we have to say that there was Kiddush with one witness. And that's the argument. Base Hillel says that one witness is enough. If both agree, him and her, they said, yeah, we got married and, and we agree with the one witness. We're not arguing. We, 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 we got back together. This was a Kiddush. That's why he says you have to have another guest. And, and, and Bishami says, no. But the law would follow Beit Hillel. So this contradicts Rabbi Nachman said in the name of Shmuel that even if they both agree and one witness is nothing here, nothing happened. So, according to your reasoning, that you're explaining that mission is talking about one witness, Amos Sefer. How do, you, how do you understand the end of that mission? It says, Beit Hillel admits to Beit in a case. What if they were divorced from betrothal? They never lived together. They never had a chance to live together. They got divorced before the chuppah. They did the betrothal, and usually in those times they waited a year until they consummated the marriage. And in between, they got, they got divorced. And then they're traveling together and they stay together. Even Ms. Hillel admits in this case, you don't need a second get. Why? You don't need a second divorce. You don't suspect that maybe they betrothed each other again. He regretted it and he married her again. Why? He's not, he never never intimate once. If they were intimate together, so he misses her, so they're together alone, uh, what, what do you think happened? You think they, they learned together? They studied Afyami together? They, they, uh, if you're going to think, if you're going to enter your mind, that we're talking about a case of one witness, and according to Basil, one witness is believed, if he agrees and she agrees, and one witness testified, it's enough. So what difference does it make from betrothal? There's one witness. They were alone together. He says, yes, we were alone together. She says, yes, we were alone together. We were intimate and we got re- we remarried. Why shouldn't we believe them? What do we care that they were never intimate before? What, what difference does it make? That's the question. So, so you, your whole understanding of the mission is wrong. It makes no sense. You're saying that the mission is talking about a case where there was one witness, only one witness, not two witnesses. You saw them in the room together. If one witness, and even, even if it's only they were divorced just from the betrothal, it should still be effective. The witness says they got in the room together as a kiddush, and I watched. He agrees, she agrees, the witness agrees. According to Basil, he said that's enough to make it a kiddush. Then Shmuel says, yeah. But according to you, how would you explain the mission? Ella, rather, my skin, Shmuel says, we have to be saying, you know what the mission is talking about? There's witnesses who saw them rent the room together. 
but there's no witnesses who saw them being intimate together. That's the argument. Beis Shammai says, we continue on side B, 65, 65B. You don't say, just renting a room together doesn't mean that they were intimate. It's not the same thing. Unless he designated the witnesses. Listen, we're going to, we're going to, I'm betrothing her with intimacy. Stand by the door and watch her, you know, don't watch, but, uh, you know, that's what's happening. They didn't say that. They were husband and wife, they were married for 40 years, uh, they stayed together in the same room. Doesn't mean that they were intimate together. There's no witnesses who were intimate together. So that's why Bishamay says that you don't need another divorce. No, no. If a husband and wife who just got divorced are sleeping in the same room together, I mean, they're getting back together. <laughs> they're being intimate together. No, no. They're sleeping, sleeping overnight together. That means that they're, 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 they're back together. So I have two witnesses. But they agree. But even Basil agrees. He admits to Bishami. In the case where they were only divorced from betrothal, they were never intimate once. So just being in a room together, you can't say that means that they were intimate together. They were never intimate before. Maybe, maybe they're saving up money. <laughs> so they're sharing a room. But you can't automatically say if they're in the room together, they're being intimate together. Someone betrothed a woman with just one witness. You don't have to worry about the Kiddush. Even they both agree. Also reinforces this. And that's the Allah. That the, the great Bezdin said, you don't even have to worry about the Kiddush. My Bezdin Rambam, who's the great Bezdin? Rab, Rab is the, the, the grand master, the grand master, the grand bezdin. Rab is saying that the great, great bezdin said, Who's Rab referring to? Rabbi. Rabbi is the ultimate bezdin, the author of the Mishnah, the ultimate authority. He says, You don't have to worry about it. Even rabbinically, there's nothing here. This never happened. Even if everyone agrees, it doesn't matter. There's no kiddushin. The witness is created. And this is very important because the Jewish people are called Atamedai. Hashem says to the Jewish people, you are my witnesses. So you are my witnesses is not only that we come to testify, that to clarify the truth. We should know what happened. If no one sees, we don't know what happened. If someone denies it, we can come and testify. We were there, we saw it happen. So if someone denies there's a God in this world, the Jewish people come and testify that there is a God in this world. By their very being, and their very existence, miraculous existence, we testify that there is a God in this world. This world is not a jungle. It's not a, but it's much deeper than that. The witnesses create, just like the witnesses of a Kiddushan. They create the marriage. The Jewish people create a new reality. By taking a coarse world and taking a crass world, a world that's not even susceptible to holiness and to truth and to godliness, to take this world and to bring Hashem's reality into this world, it's creative. We're creating a new reality. We are witnesses that create the reality of the marriage of the Jewish people and Hashem by our Torah and mitzvot in this world, in this jungle that we live in. Two people come from outside the land of Israel, from abroad. The Isha Imam, and there's a woman who's accompanying them. And they also have a 
uh, some jewels or some some items or what they're carrying with them. Is that a this one says this is my wife. And this is my slave, my Canaanite non-Jewish slave. And this is my possession. <laughs> they they sold everything and they came with their, with their jewels and diamonds, you know. And the other one says, no, 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 this is my wife. You're my servant. This belongs to me. The woman says, these are my two servants. And this belongs to me. <laughs> Two Jews, three opinions. Three Jews, three opinions. She needs a divorce from each one of the two. Because each one says that she is her wife. And therefore, so now we understood that it means that she is not allowed to marry anyone until she gets a divorce from both men. Because each one claims that she is my wife. So to free her and enable her to marry, she should be free. Both have to give her a divorce. Even though she says, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. You might have asked. And then, after she divorces, she can collect a ksuva From this money, she can get a ksuva. You say, I'm your wife? You gave me a divorce? Now, now they have to pay the ksuva. So you might have asked, wait a minute. Hey, Chedami, what are we talking about? In this price. If there's two witnesses who testify like one of them, that she's a wife, and, and the money belongs to him. And the other one has witnesses that support his, his, his side of the story. How could she argue and say, no, these two are my servants and the money belongs to me? There are two witnesses. Kosher witnesses. So even though they're contradicting each other, but they all agree that they're not his servants. He said, the only contradiction, who is the husband and who is the wife? But everyone, both agree that she's a wife. She's married to one of them. Not like he, she. She says, I'm single. I'm here alone. These two are my slaves. Ella laughs. So surely we must be talking about a case. Edech is only one witness. Each one has one witness testifying accordingly. This one, one witness saying that he's the husband, she's the wife, and the other one is the slave, and the money belongs to him. And the other one also brings one witness that says the exact opposite. So we see that one witness is enough that she needs a get, she needs a divorce. He's saying she needs a divorce from both of them. But according to you, you said the great Besden concluded that you don't need anything, even if there's one witness and everyone agrees and there's no argument about the facts. It doesn't mean anything. Without two witnesses, nothing happened, nothing takes effect. Why would you need a divorce? He's only one witness. So your mother says, so according to you, how would you understand? It's one witness, one witness contradicts the other. Since each one contradicts the other, so therefore you shouldn't believe any of them, even according to you. So you want to prove from here that one witness is believed, and therefore you need a get. You still, you haven't explained it. Because one witness contradicts each other, they cancel each other out. Therefore, I don't have any witness that, that testifies that she's married. He says she's married, he's, she's married to him. He says she's married to him. You contradict each other. So you're both, one of you is liars. So therefore, you, I throw you both out of the court. She's free to marry whoever she wants. Why does she need a get? She shouldn't need a get. Ella, shortly, to permit her to marry anyone else. She doesn't need any, any get. Why does she need a get? Especially she denies it. <laughs> she denies it. I'm never married to you. So she's free. This is what the Bryce is saying. She needs, in order to collect 
her ksuva. Because really, this package you should put aside, like uh, give it to a third party to watch for it till Mashiach comes, till Yonav will come and clarify the truth. Because he says it's his, he says it's his, she says it's her, hers. I don't know what to believe. So therefore, just put it away. No one gets it until until we get to the truth, the banner. But she wants to collect the ksuva if both of them give her a get. So either way, either it's hers, so she gets that money, or it's his, and he divorced her. Or it's his, and he divorced her. So when they both give her a get, at least you give her the ksuva. You take out from escrow, you take out the ksuva and give it to her. That's what the Bryce is saying. But not that you need the get in order to permit her to marry whoever she wants. Well, she can marry whoever she wants. There's only one witness, and, and she denies the whole thing. This whole... Obraise follows the opinion that Mary, the Amr Metal, the Mishtablik, so who holds that you can accept the Ksuva even from movable items, not only from property, even from movable items. So that's why she can collect her Ksuva. Okay, my Havala, what's the Allah? What's the bottom line? Kedushin in front of one witness, the Afghan, the Inchajan Kedusha. Akana says, you don't, you don't have to worry about the Kiddushin. Our Papa says that uh, you do have to worry about the Kiddushin. What's your reason? Why do you say you don't even have to worry about the Kiddushin? Why? Because the Yalf is David, David, Mimamit. Because you learn. Because code word. The Torah says, "Apishnai made him yakin davar." We're talking about financial matters. That all financial matters are decided by the eyewitness testimony of two kosher witnesses, right? And also, it says, it says by uh, by marriage, ervas davar. It says the same language, davar. So anything that has to do with marriage has to be based on the eyewitness testimony of two witnesses. So if that's the case, he does If you're already learning, if you're saying there's a code word, that we apply everything that the Torah says by financial laws, we apply to marital laws, so you should learn it all the way. By financial matters, a person could make an admission, his admission carries weight. If I say I owe $100, even a thousand witnesses testify against me and say, I don't know, I owe $100. I believe in me over, over all, a thousand witnesses. So you should say the same case by marriage. If he and her agree that they married, even if there's no witnesses or witnesses say you didn't get married, it doesn't matter. But you're not saying that. You're saying even if they both agree and there was one witness, you're saying it's nothing. Why? So I'm a lay. Slavkana answers to Ravashi. How could you compare? Hosom over there by financial matters. Like a chayvlachdin. By his admission, the only one he's obligating is himself. So you can do what you want with your money. You want to give it away? Do whatever you want with your money. So we believe you. If you're going to believe him, there's implications for other people. If you're saying you believe in the married, it's not just affects you. All of a sudden, all the relatives become prohibited to each other. So my words, I, I don't have that power. We don't believe it. We're brothers. They were the sons. They, they own property together. And then, they, they separate. They parted ways. They, they divided the property. 
Adi Adadi. Also, the Kamen Ravashi came before Ravashi. Is there a question? Yeah. And, and they said to Ravashi, Alpishnayi made Shambarachman. Taylor says that everything financial has to be based on the testimony of two kosher witnesses, two or three kosher witnesses, eyewitnesses. It's only the boy if a person wants to retract and to deny, they can, because we have two witnesses who said that this is what happened. But we, we, we're admitting that we separated and, and, and we parted ways. So therefore, even though there was no witnesses to our separation, we're both saying this is what happened. So there's no dispute. So therefore, I don't need witnesses. Perhaps without witnesses nothing happens so we can retract it we can take it back it has no legal validity without two witnesses in other words is the point of two witnesses only that if someone denies it we have two kosher witnesses to, uh, to uh, affirm what happened like someone says a wise man once said if you get two Jews to agree on something you know it, it's true that's <laughs> why so you believe two kosher witnesses or it has nothing to do with denial or not denial. Even if there's no denial, it has no legal validity. There's no legal standing unless there's two witnesses who are observing, who are part of this story. It has to be an observer, a conscious observer, two kosher witnesses. And that's what makes it happen. That's what gives it legal validity. Amaluhu, responded to them, No, the whole purpose of witnesses is only to clarify if anyone will deny it. But if there's a, bar, a lender and a borrower, and the lender says, I owe you money, and the borrower says, I agree, I don't need witnesses. <laughs> The only privilege is if there's an argument, there's a contradiction, an argument, two witnesses come and clarify the truth. But it's not in all cases. We said by Kiddushin. Kiddushin, no, it's the witnesses that make it. Yeah, said, One witness comes and tells a person, I saw you eating non-kosher fat from a, from a kosher animal, domesticated animal. He's quiet. I'm not denying the witness. I'm not arguing with the witness. I'm not affirming. I'm not denying. I'm, I'm just quiet. Never. He's believed. Because the fact that you're silent is, is silent is admission. Like everyone now. All the corporations and all the universities that are silent. You know, it's not bad enough they're not coming out with strong statements. The fact that they're definitely silent. When this bum and this lowlife did, 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 did something, they were all screaming from, from the rooftops. Well, one bum and lowlife and happened to him. And here, 1,400 Jews murdered, butchered savagely. Is silent? It means you admit you're happy. No excuses. All the big corporations, not quiet. All the universities, silence, not a word, not a peep. That means you're, you're, you admit. Silence is complicity. Question is says you ate chaylev, and he's silent. If it wasn't true, you would you would say it's not true. You're silent. It means yeah, yeah, I'm, you're right. Hamas does something, and you're silent. That means you, you you agree. It's fine. It's their right. Freedom fighters. We also learn the We also learn in a mission. We also learn in a mission. One witness says you ate fat. He denies it. He argues with the witness. It's not true. I never ate it. But that he's exempt. Time is the reason why he's exempt. Because he denies the witness. He argues with the witness. But you don't argue. You're silent. Then you're obligated. It means you agree with him. 
Silence is admission. That's the halacha. That's the legal halacha. Silence is admission. Whoever is silent now means you're admitting with Hamas. Was punished because he was silent. In, in Ferris court. Yes. yes. Even though he had calculations, it's not going to help me. What's the point? Paro doesn't want to listen. No, no excuses. Silence is admission. Period. Uh, another thing Abayi said. If one person testifies, you should know that all your pure food and it all became contaminated. And the owner is quiet. Now, the, the one witness is believed. We also learned this in the mission in Taris. One witness testifies that your pure food has become contaminated. And the owner argues, that's not true. What are you talking about? What are you hacking? It's not true. Then we believe the owner. Why should we? we don't believe one witness? And if the owner says, let me check on this. No, again, so again, until you check on it, then it's not. But time, the only reason the owners believe in the case, we protest. If he's silent, another thing Abaye said, if one witness says, you know what? We'll, yeah, let's wait. We'll, we'll continue tomorrow. Everyone have a wonderful day.